0: Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. wow What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, Ah, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fuck nicks, what the fucking ears. I am still fighting what the fuck heads. A lot of people are still suggesting names for the show, what the fuck heads. I, I got more respect for you than that. It's Mark Marin. You are listening to WTF with me. Mark Marin, back from Ireland, back in the garage. A uh, couple of things going on. want to say that a listener, a carpenter, who at some point will get me his website, built me a bookshelf for the garage, which I stained. I stained the bookshelf myself, put it back in the garage, and now I am intoxicated with the fumes of stain. Oh, why do I always leave that on? But... Yeah, you know, I'm okay with it. You know, you get it where you can when you don't drink or do drugs. Thank you all for uh, coming out in Ireland. Uh, I really appreciate seeing you, uh, and uh, I appreciate that I have some WTF uh, listeners, some What the Fuck nicks out, out there in uh, Ireland. Had a pretty good time. You listened to the podcast. I do want to apologize to Ireland at the beginning of my podcast there. I did refer to myself as being in the UK, which is a big no-no, as Des Bishop said later on in that show. Uh, I did have a lovely time. Also wanted to get some business out of the way. Dom Irera, one of the great comics who was on the show in Ireland, uh, will be appearing at Harrah's in Atlantic City September 4th. If any of you are around to go see that, uh, I highly recommend it. Also, I am going to be in San Francisco next week, the 18th and 19th, I believe. Is that it? Yes, the 18th and 19th at Cobb's Comedy Club doing the Bring the Rock shows with Greg Barrett and Nick Thune and Grant Lee Phillips uh, should, be, should be a great night. Uh, it's an interesting show where we tell stories that are music related and then the band will play a song by you know the, the, the band we mentioned. There's an outside chance that I will sing. There's a good chance I will play guitar, play guitar, pray guitar. Yeah, I'll pray guitar. That's fine. Um, neither might happen. But either way, the show will be great. Go to CopsComedy.com for information on that. Let's get this out of the way. Hold on. Pow! Oh, I just shit my pants. And thank God, you know, after a week of meat in Ireland, that was necessary. I don't care where it happens. Don't mean to be crass, but that is where I am at. JustCoffee.coop, available at WTFPod.com. If you get the WTF blend, they kick me a couple dollars. Yeah, that's right. They kick me a few bucks few things are happening. We have Tig Nataro on the show today. Now I've known Tig for years. We worked together many years ago in Tampa. I've always felt a little uncomfortable with her, but she kind of likes to do that. I mean, comedically kind of puts you off. You, you enter the Tig time zone. I'm I'm curious about, you know, how the conversation is going to go, and I'm very excited to talk to her. So look forward to that. That is coming up. Man, am I happy to be home. I and I got to I got to be honest with you cuz I generally am. I had a couple incidents on the airplane. I was on the flight from Dublin to Los Angeles. The in-flight movie was Invictus, which I didn't go see in the movies cuz I thought it would be cheesy. All right, cut to me sitting in my plane seat crying. You know, literally tears rolling down my face. It was still light. You know, it was a small TV screen up on the ceiling. I had to arc my neck to watch it and tears are running down my face in public. There's a couple of teenage boys across the aisle, you know, looking at me, you know, trying to hide the crying. It's a powerful movie. Uh it, it is what it is. It was moving. It, it had a message it was it was based on fact. I had no idea about the story. It was a great story. Matt Damon, let me tell you, uh is one of the great young actors there There's no doubt about it that he can be in a movie that large and still be subtle I and mean, he's just got some control man he's he's just he's a, he's beyond movie star. That dude is a real actor and Morgan Freeman, of course, is Morgan Freeman. So I watch this whole movie. And it, it's moving to me, and, and I don't you know really register necessarily. I mean, there's a message, but it, you know it's a historical movie about South Africa, about uh, the end of apartheid. And and I found myself there was one uh, uh, black flight attendant, this guy who I'd seen a couple of times previous to me watching the movie, and I did that thing where you know he's uh, he's he's coming down the aisle, you know, collecting the trash, uh, you know, the cups and the you know bottles and whatever. And I kind of looked at him with that, like, uh, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, I, I I get it. You know, I get it. That's sort of like, you know, thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. I know it's it, it, just, it, I mean, it was unnoticeable, but in my heart, I had to have been condescending on some level, you know, your, your people, no matter where they are, have have been through a lot. And, and uh, I, I just want to say, uh, you know, much respect. You know, that that was what was coming out of me. I'm like, what the fuck is, what is wrong with me, man? I mean, you, you but it was an emotional thing. It was just a carryover. I don't know if it's a bad message, but is that is 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 that racist or is it? I mean, is that the message I was supposed to get? Is that white person's guilt? You know, or is it just me having experience? I didn't blurt it out or anything, but it was a feeling that I had. Uh, yeah, I talked about it on Twitter. Someone said there should be a name for it, and they should say it, "gracism," uh, which I, I think is is sort of funny. I I hate when these things happen, but that that one wasn't really. Bad it was only you know because of, of a white person's guilt or whatever whatever, but this is the bad one. So now I go from I go from Dublin to Chicago. you know I've been traveling like fifteen hours. I wait to get another plane from Chicago to uh, to Los Angeles. at this point I'm exhausted. Um, i'm I'm tweaked out. I'm sitting you know sort of where the flight attendance area is. and about three hours into the flight, I got an hour and a half to go. I see uh I go back to the bathroom and I see an uh someone who I decide is a, a Arab or perhaps Palestinian also Arab and you know he's waiting online to go to the bathroom then he stops waiting online he looks me in the eye which in I you know I I, I I judged and then he leaves the bathroom line and he starts he walks to the front of the plane and i I sort of like I leave the bathroom line to go sit in my chair to to sort of you know, monitor the situation so I see him go to the front of the plane. He uh, he disappears. You know, it doesn't look like he's gone in the bathroom. And I'm sitting there, I'm festering. I'm like, oh, this what what's happening? And, and this has happened before. I've talked to you about this. And I in my in my heart, I've got nothing against uh, Arabs. I in a, even if he was Arab, but this thing is in my head. I'm judging. I'm stereotyping. I'm making assumptions. But it it got bad. I mean, I'm sitting there on the plane. I'm like, where is he? It's been it's been five minutes. And then I think I see the pilot's door open. And, I, like, and, and no one's doing anything, right? So in my mind, it was amazing how elaborate the fantasy became because I'm thinking like, wait, he went through security, he can't get a bomb on, he can't get a gun on, he can't get, a knife's not going to work and you know, there's two guys in there but then I decide that like, he snuck little packets of poison that you put on people's skin that ha- puts them into cardio arrest immediately. So in my mind, he's in the cockpit, he's just touched both the pilot and the co-pilot and maybe the third guy that's in there with the secret poison that gives people a heart attack and he's 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 in control of the plane and i'm waiting for it to dip down and then it doesn't dip down so i think well here we go you know we're waiting till we get into la and, we're, and he's going to fly it into a building and this is this is fucking horrible i'm picturing you know going down you know toppling you know in the air like i'm even going to have that much time to think about it like you know it, of course there's part of me that's like you know i'm holding on to my chairs i'm I'm flying down with no parachute thinking you know i get, you know maybe there's a chance here why did i have to be on this plane i mean i went way out there i think because i was tired too and I have a fear-driven imagination, but I got—I—I I'm, I'm, get up out of my seat and I walk to look for him. And I must—you uh, know—I—you know—I was focused on this horrendous uh, racist fantasy in my head. That I judged and made this big decision. I'm 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 focused to the point of panic. And a flight attendant comes up to me and says, "Everything okay, sir?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." And then I sit down. And of course, flight attendants, if anyone reads panic, you know they go tell all the other flight attendants. So another one comes up to me and goes, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, just a little panicky. You know, I've been up a long time, just just a little panic." And she's like, "Are you all right, sir?" And I'm like, "Oh, now I'm the fucking freak. Now I'm the I'm the guy that's like you know the problem on the plane." You know, in my mind, you know, we're, you know, an hour away from from flying into the Capitol Records building. And this is going on and I'm like, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm losing it. And then, of course, you know, like I'm sitting there, you know, this, the flight attendants are now aware of my uh, my psychological state and probably have t- told the captain already, you know, if he's not dead. And then what happens is I, you know, I, I see the the guy walk back, the Arab guy just walks back and sits down with his wife. Yeah. And then as we're landing, the flight attendant says, everything okay? Are you feeling better? I'm like, yeah, I just got something in my head. You know, something was happening in my head that was not happening in reality. And I feel bad about it. And she says, well, you know, it's you know, it happens to all of us. We have to be very aware. I'm like, yeah, but I, I just, you know, I, I manufactured, you know, I was, I was not just aware. I, you know, I already saw the, the, the printed headlines on most of the nation's newspapers. I didn't say that to her, but I was like, okay, good. I just felt so fucking ashamed of myself again with this shit. I gotta get I gotta get past that. You know, what fear does is unbelievable. That's it. I I would like to extend my apologies to the black male flight attendant on my flight from Dublin to uh to um Chicago if I seemed uh, you know, racist in that weird, kind of obsequious, like, you know, you know, too nice way. And I'd also like to extend my apologies to the, the brown man who I decided was Arab or Palestinian who has no knowledge of, of what I went through because of my stereotyping him and being blatantly racist. I apologize to both of you and to the stewardesses or the flight attendants for causing them some discomfort in my panic. <laughs> The truth of the matter is, is like we we've never talked, and you are one of the few people that you know sort of gets me uh, sort of off kilter, not in a bad way, but I find when I, when I've had interactions with you that uh, that like I am like oh it's Tig time I just entered the Tig time zone oh really well a little bit because like I I think the first time we met and by the way in the garage here at the Cat Ranch Tig Nataro is here from the Sarah Silverman program and years of stand up and we worked together I think for the first time in Tampa. I don't even remember what year that was. Do you?
1: I I would guess it was maybe eight years ago.
0: That's it, eight years ago?
1: Maybe nine, something like that.
0: Yeah, and I had never seen you. I didn't know who you were and you were really funny and, uh, and it was one of those things where it's like, where's this person come from? Where did you come from?
1: Uh, originally Mississippi. Really? Uh-huh.
0: So you got out of Mississippi?
1: I did. Uh, I was born in Jackson, and then uh, my family is, I have some family members still up there, but then most of my family is in uh, the Gulf Coast, also New Orleans, Baton Rouge. Are
0: you close with them?
1: Pretty close. I so know.
0: is it as bad as everyone thinks? So, like, I've been accused of being hard on the South. I've been accused of making, uh, you know, and I don't do it very often, but I think it's an easy mistake to make. Uh, where you just say the South is full of idiots.
1: Yeah, I mean, it drives me crazy. It is, is
0: it full of idiots?
1: No, it drives me crazy. <laughs> when people I'm, do that? Yeah, I mean, because absolutely there's idiots, but it's like... There's as idiots a, everywhere. As a comedian, you have to have seen when you've toured that there are idiots in every uh, city and town that you go to. And I think, in general, what it is more than a Southern thing is like a small town mentality. Sure. But... My family, yeah, in the South, for the most part, are very open minded accepting people. And so I give them way more credit than somebody that has gone and traveled the world and allowed themselves to be, um, you know, their mind to expand and meet new yeah. people and, and then they become accepting. Right. These family members of mine are in small town southern Mississippi. And just out of who they are, like they are
0: yeah, accepting. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so I they blow my mind more than big city people that are like uh, liberal.
0: Right, because they're doing it because they think they have to, whereas the people in your family perhaps came to it just by virtue of their human interaction with you or with with other people or with the world. Well, I, and it's
1: not even that other people think they have to. It's that you learn by meeting so many people and traveling to so many places and it's not that my family that they haven't left yeah. the town, yeah, but th- it's they certainly aren't right next to, um, you know, Manhattan.
0: Well, no, I think I think what you're we're talking about is the difference between tolerance and the difference between actual empathy and acceptance. Yeah, I think that like liberals are basically sort of like you know I'm open minded. It's a big tent, even if I don't like these people, you know, I accept them. So there, there's not that sort of heartfelt connection. I think that comes from from the history of the South, too. I think that they've seen a lot of shit in general.
1: Absolutely. And I I think also there's a certain mentality of um, people in New Orleans, and then also, you know, I have Cajun people in my family, and there's a certain mentality that is just open and just join the party type let's go we're glad you're here right we don't care what's going on and that's
0: and there's also those kind of people that are insulated in churches and 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 are white supremacists and retards but i mean that is not really the bulk of the south the south is a very compassionate place
1: right and there's a there's a sense of humor that's there it's like my family sure they Go to church, and the ta- the uh, church that's not there anymore after Katrina. But the church that was there was this A-frame that um that that was the exact shape of the church. Yeah. And uh, my uncle uh, referred to it as Jesus Christ super slide.
0: <laughs> and to me,
1: that's not um, right. A traditionally conservative. Approach uh, to
0: Jesus? Exactly.
1: Referring to the home of Jesus as uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ Super Sly. Did you uh, have
0: family that lost property in Katrina or lost uh, family members or anything?
1: Um, there was severe damage yeah. and there was um, the people, friends of the family that were lost and um, no immediate family members, but I, I thought they were all dead.
0: Yeah, I bet. For how long?
1: Several days, because there was no no cell phone service. There was nothing. The last anybody heard from my family was um, the night before Katrina. Everybody had gotten into one house, and it actually happened to be the highest point in the town. Yeah. And um, my brother talked to my cousin, and my cousin couldn't even hear my brother. All my brother could hear was him just yelling like, we're you know, we're just been uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. cut oh, really? out. Oh my god. And uh the next I saw the next morning was um uh I was watching the news and there was a helicopter just going over you know, there's so much attention to New Orleans, which yeah. is not where Katrina hit. That's where the levees broke. Right. Katrina hit actually my hometown. Which is Pas Christian, Mississippi. And um and there's bayous that run up through yeah the town and so that's what continues the speed and strength of the hurricane so it right. just ran up through the town and just ripped it apart but the the media was all over New Orleans right and i remember watching the news and this helicopter going over uh Christian, and they were like this is Pascagaston Mississippi and then the news reporter was just silent and he was like my god it's gone. Oh my
0: god. And I was god. like Oh my Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you couldn't get in touch with anyone for three no, days.
1: But like, I drove out there. The day of? No, I I was like in fetal position. I didn't even know what to do with myself. Yeah, I was just yeah, picturing yeah. like it was gonna be mass graves or you know right, what I right, mean? Right. And it's so um I just sent out like an email going, Hey I'm... Um, I'm going to rent a U-Haul and throw a can of tomato soup and head down there like and try and, you know,
0: <laughs> wrangle up I, the, Yeah, just the crew. I don't know
1: what's going on. And my email spread like wildfire and my house turned into a 3-day donation center. There was outdoor lighting, every comedian friend, every person I'd People I'd never met, I heard that Kim Deal had come by my house. Oh, really? Like, all these people were coming over to my house and dropping off food and clothing and sending me a check for $1,000. Like, I'd never met Kathy Griffin, ever. Yeah, yeah. Check for a grand just shows up at my house. Like, just word of mouth just started going crazy. And a production company uh, gave me two trucks, two huge production trucks, and I drove um, with the most random mixed people <laughs> down in my hometown with $10,000 that we had raised yeah. and just packed with food, diapers,
0: wow. clothing. It and was, that was not even asking for money? or were, I mean, it just showed up? Or, I mean, how did it work?
1: At first, I was just uh, asking for clothing and food right. or whatever, and it was actually a, a major life lesson for me because I was shy to ask for money. yeah, And then I realized I was personalizing this in that it was as though I was asking for money and then yeah. I was like I'm not asking for money and if somebody thinks I'm gonna take their money I don't have time to argue about this. Like this yeah. is too elaborate of a of sure, a, sure.
0: a of a
1: like if you don't trust me, do not drop anything off. I don't care. <laughs> right. And so yeah. once I shifted yeah. my mindset, then yeah. I just said, okay we have plenty of formula, diapers, food. We need money. And so then people were like just bringing over cash. And p- some people even said, <laughs> um, I don't care what you do with this money.
0: Yeah, just get it over yeah. there.
1: No, they Not even, even said, like, even if you go get a massage with this, <laughs> just go, here's the money. Do you know? Yeah, and of course yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. go get a massage. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so it was just like a really intense uh, thing. But um, I got down there and yeah, my whole family was alive and uh, uh but the town, it looked like, an earthquake had hit. Like, you could literally jump into the ground.
0: Wow. And it just ripped shit up out of the ground.
1: I can't even explain to you. Like, I would have to show photos, but... Um, and and I was taking pictures, and at the time, it, I guess digital camera... I certainly... I, I have Amish ways about me. I certainly didn't have a digital camera then. Yeah. Um, and I had a just a regular camera. And I got doubles made. And I realized when I was showing the pictures, yeah, I had double. I was like, "Oh, this is where um, the the deli used to be. This is where the." I was just showing pictures of flat, destroyed land, yeah. and I had doubles of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it I, all looks sort I, of the same, just yeah. rubble.
1: But yeah, and it was just nothing. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, and there's what?" The, and then I just looked at it. I was like, "Oh." There's nothing there.
0: Oh, my God. And I have
1: two copies. Wait,
0: okay, so you load the truck. Did you have specific people in mind? Like, you say diapers, and you say, like, I mean, were you, like...
1: I was thinking of uh, elderly and children. I was thinking of people that were, like, trapped out, like, out in the country. Right. Um, because people were just isolated.
0: So just anybody that you knew in the town. You didn't have people in mind. You just knew that your town was devastated. Yeah, I didn't
1: know. Uh, I figured whoever I could reach, because you couldn't get... I We started getting reports that... Um, the closer you got into town, you just people would be like, "You can't get in, you can't get in," and um, and so I stopped at um, a friend of my family's that was like further out in the country. and yeah. they had told us about this Baptist church that was open; they were going to open their doors for us. And when uh, <laughs> me and everybody we pulled up with the trucks, I, we had been driving straight through. And
0: how many people went with you?
1: I think five. Comics? No.
0: Just friends? Yeah. Uh huh.
1: And um. And so uh, when we we pulled up, I remember this one girl going, I do not feel like unloading these trucks. And I said, do you really think when we pull up, they're not gonna bust the doors open and unload this in three seconds? And that's exactly what happened. Really? Yeah, I mean the trucks were unloaded within a second.
0: And they needed everything.
1: Oh, completely.
0: Unbelievable. And you saw your family and were they like oh my god
1: yeah yeah it was it was it was amazing uh, to see them
0: it's just cousins and the whole mm-hmm, unbelievable yeah but well I'm glad everybody's okay
1: yeah I mean
0: did they rebuild their home
1: well I mean there was you know damage that was yeah uh-huh. redone but they didn't like lose their house right um well, that's amazing but I mean their next door, all the houses up into my cousin's house yeah it stopped right at his house it was it was
0: crazy like right there
1: right there i guess
0: it's got to stop somewhere
1: and it stopped at my cousin's house
0: so he was one of the guys like i guess god's looking out for me <laughs> but my neighbor not so much yeah yet. exactly <laughs> <laughs> but uh but like i when i worked with you eight years ago i'd never really seen you before and i don't know what your comedy history is did you start out in comedy I mean, when you, when in terms of like how long you've been doing it, and where'd you come from?
1: Um, I think I'm almost twelve years into it. Oh, that's it. a lot! And um, I started in L.A. I'd always wanted to do it, and when I lived in Denver, was when I was really start. It was really starting to come up for me. Like, right. As, what were
0: your jobs before?
1: Uh, I worked in pizza delivery child care uh up to uh working for sam Raimi for years like it's really? just so many different uh coffee shop
0: just child care yeah yeah
1: which it's funny because i took the job because i needed a job yeah. i dropped out of high school yeah and i was like oh, i need a job and i took a job in child care and that's just not the job you go get <laughs> You we just dropped need, out of
0: high school. Yeah. Anymore.
1: Yeah. It's like really involved.
0: <laughs> like what kind of childcare?
1: Just like a daycare type, you know? And so I'm sitting- So you had
0: many kids.
1: Yeah. Like kids crawling on me. I had long hair at the time. They were wanting to braid my hair. I and mean, I does. don't want to
0: be rude, but you don't strike me, you know, outwardly as being a kid person.
1: Mark, that's so rude. <laughs> no, of <laughs> course. Um, but I actually, that job, I'm so glad I took it because- yeah. I was so uncomfortable around kids because they just want to hang on you and yeah. hug and kiss and braid your hair and I was just yeah. like, Get off of I'm like <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? And then the more I was around them, yeah. I I understood how to be with them you in my way. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And uh, I actually just talked to them like they're
0: They're a,
1: grown ups. Up <laughs> How'd that
0: go over? Were they well, confused? Oh really? Yeah, like I Like I, how old were the kids?
1: I worked with anywhere from like three to like 12.
0: Yeah. You know? And, and you uh, just treated them with this sort of uh, the take distance and...
1: Yeah, just kind <laughs> of like, uh, listen, um, I don't know if you uh, really want to make the choice you're making. Uh, it seems like a poor decision to me, uh, you know, uh, but <laughs> it, it was, I, I couldn't yeah, inauthentically
0: be nurturing or yeah love
1: them. <laughs> yeah I mean but I did love them and yeah. that was the crazy thing was yeah. like I I started to think even as a high school dropout I failed three grades and dropped out of high school and then after working with kids I started to think I think I might want to work with kids really yeah
0: <laughs> you think you got a handle on this yeah it just it was <laughs>
1: such a bizarre twist in
0: my life uh well then you went into comedy which is similar yeah
1: <laughs> Exactly. And now I tour and do colleges. That, that's the other funny thing is I didn't go to college and then I'm going to do Princeton. Twi-
0: and they, do you find that they're kids too? Like the weird thing, I don't do a lot of colleges,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I, I, my recollection of who I was in college and my recollection of what college is supposed to be is, is not really what it is. I, I mean, they're kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's when I see like, there's some part of me, I think that never grows up. Like there's some part of me when I go back to Boston, which is rarely. And I see kids walking around college kids. I'm like, I think they're wearing my clothes. I think, right. I, I think I am that guy. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I, And it's not until I'm really standing next to an 18 or 19 year old that I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. I'm not that anymore.
1: Well, my moment when I realized that I was not, that was when I was on a layover in Atlanta. Yeah. And, um, the flight was delayed and there were these um college kids sitting around playing cards and and they uh they turned they were trying to get a bunch of people together yeah but they didn't ask me yeah and that was kind of i was waiting for them to ask me even though i was gonna say no right um i then i realized oh i'm I'm not that age. I'm a grown-up. Yeah. I, the, oops.
0: You're, you're not even on their radar. No. They didn't even like it wasn't even it wasn't even like not her. Yeah. It was like, they, they just you... they
1: looked right past me. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh shoot.
0: When did that happen? Yeah.
1: That was <laughs> that one moment where I was like, I have aged.
0: Yeah. It's kind of rough. I'm older now.
1: <laughs> but yeah, doing colleges, it's so bizarre to when they come up and talk and want to get pictures and whatever. I'm just like, you look like an infant. Like yeah. They look so young it's it i it, it's bizarre that they're in college and learning things that... i'm not
0: sure they're learning things i mean i think they're in college
1: okay but you know that <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. being taught that that yeah, information yeah. is being spewed right. out towards them
0: right right right
1: whether they're uh yeah <laughs> they're being
0: confronted with the information exactly so how they, how they react to it is up to them yeah so
1: i, I would I, never look at a face that looked that young and think here i'm going to give you this um you know equation to solve or right, theory to, right, right. yeah
0: so you don't do you i guess you have friends who have kids now right uh some, I yeah have some kids that, yeah it's weird because i don't have that many and i don't find myself socializing with a lot of kids and i know there are people my age that literally have kids that are you know in high school yeah and when you don't have kids, like that time doesn't it? Time doesn't pass the same way,
1: right? Yeah,
0: it's, it's the f- most fucked up, weird thing.
1: Well, yeah, I guess when I'm thinking back to friends that are in like Mississippi yeah. or Texas or whatever, yeah, they they have kids. And yeah. When I'm thinking about my life here, it's like a eh, few. You mm-hmm. know, you have some.
0: And they keep them hidden. They're taking care of elsewhere. Exactly.
1: <laughs> but I was I was just in uh, Utah. That's a weird place. Yesterday or two days ago.
0: We're in Salt Lake City. Yeah. And to do a show.
1: Uh huh. And everybody was married. Like, every. I think it's a
0: law there. Yeah, you have to be at least married to one person, at the very least.
1: But it, I mean, have you spent much time there?
0: I was there once. I did a weird show. Do you
1: only go everywhere one time? Uh
0: huh. But I, would, I did a, a Jewish community center of all things in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. I never met a more you know sort of cloistered bunch of Jews mm-hmm. because it's really a functioning theocracy. Mm-hmm. But I recently talked to somebody, Tracy McMillan, a writer who was on the show, that said that there is a teeming sort of very uh, vibrant. Um, you know underworld to Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes sense to me because if you're living in what's essentially a theocracy, I would imagine the resistance to it, though it may be small, is pretty active. Yeah. But I have I've only I only experienced the
1: I feel like when there's a there's always the flip the, side of sure. you know, yeah. in Salt Lake City. That's where such a huge punk scene
0: is. Right, the, because the, yeah, they're because living in of Mormon the, land. Yeah, yeah. What was your experience there? Well,
1: I just, I couldn't, uh, the crowds were really great. I had really fun shows, but I what I noticed, every person I looked at, the, the openers and the open micers that were just coming to watch the shows, Yeah, all of them had wedding rings on, and their wives were with them, and I, I just, you know, 18-year-olds, and then when I went to the, when I realized that pattern and... And then I was at the airport and when I was leaving town I was just looking at everyone's hand just looking for wedding rings and I was Never, everybody really married, married and not just early 20s like 18 I, 19
0: I don't know how you get closure in that area of your life at that age I mean I've been married twice and it, you know and I wasn't good at it but it just it always amazes me cuz they I'd like to think you know there's some part of me that thinks well they're well adjusted they made a decision but really what they've chosen is a way of life that is different than ours I mean that's it I mean that yeah, it doesn't mean that they're any better or any more well adjusted
1: well, no, but I was just in I was just staring at at people that were married and that young and just just in awe, like
0: were you thinking why
1: or, or how <laughs> not why, <laughs> like I get why yeah. you would f- think to do that or if you're conservative yeah, yeah, yeah. and you maybe that's your ticket to have sex, yeah, but like how it it blows my mind when somebody meets and i but then you know actually it makes sense when you're that young and you have your first love and you think yeah, yeah i'll be with you forever cuz you, right. you don't know that things change
0: right or maybe you can stay in that thing yeah i mean if you're you're vigilant enough
1: and when people do that that's one of the things that just it blows my mind when people meet somebody and the only time i felt that uh in, in my life it has, it was with my writing partner. Yeah. Um. And so I've written with people and I've bounced around ideas and whatever, but it just happened to be this guy that I wouldn't have thought in a million years, because uh, we've run into each other yeah. here and there, but we did this really bad pilot that we were laughing so hard and making fun of the entire time. And we just—it was that, that magical, was it? It like, clicked? yeah. And uh, he was like, "You want to maybe write that? And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And and then now, uh, like, for me with him, I was like, "That's it. This is it."
0: This is the 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 equivalent. I
1: could, I could be with him forever creatively. Yeah, you know that right. he's who inspires me and makes me laugh so hard. Yeah, and do I know him? Uh, Kyle Dunnigan.
0: I know Kyle Dunnigan. Okay, Kyle yeah. Dunnigan, the cow swapping Kyle Dunnigan. Yes,
1: this that guy. Yeah,
0: yeah he's yeah. a funny guy.
1: Yeah, he's he's a he's a funny guy, he's and he's like a
0: puppet almost.
1: Yeah, he's very <laughs> yeah. animated yeah. and silly, and um, and so when we write, it's it's funny because his style is is very kind of cartoony, yeah. silly, and then I have a more uh,
0: minimalized.
1: Yeah, and oh. then, but as 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 we get closer to each other on like at, meaning like on the on in a script or yeah. a joke we get to that last moment and that's when the tension starts because he goes a little more that way and i go a little more that way and it usually it feels like the way we decide on which way to go is whose original idea it was Oh you really? Know, not like,
0: not which makes you laugh more necessarily. Well sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But
1: but if you're really down to the wire yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. about to hang up on each other right. and lose your mind, it's yeah. like, all right, you know what, this is this was your this is your thing, maybe you're seeing something I don't. Right. You know? And then
0: you just sort of balance it out with the next one's your thing. And,
1: I mean, I, in general it's sure. see, but he he's really good. Does he at, live here? Yeah, he huh. does. And uh, that's the thing; is he's not like a very social guy. We were both in um, this Comedy Central competition called um, Laugh Riots, uh-huh. like in our f- my first year of stand up, and we were like in the finals in the nation. And and I laugh now and say to him that like I said, you know that when we were in the green room at the L. Ray Theater, the most we said was like we probably just turned to each other and went, "Hey." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now <laughs> I spend every waking hour with this guy. That's, you know, what are you working on? Um, we just did. We just wrote something for Funny or Die. Um, and uh, we're not like, we're just, we're not trying to become staff writers or anything. Right. Um, we're just kind of learning how to write different things together. We've yeah. written an internet series, we've written a spec, we've written an original thing, we've written a late night pack. We're just trying to do everything together. Uh-huh. And um, and then ultimately in hopes of selling an original thing together.
0: Yeah, the big um, payoff.
1: Yeah, and and if not, I honestly, like I would be happy to do stand-up and just always have that
0: right. going with him. It's important to have relationships of any kind that are fulfilling. absolutely i mean i have a housemate here that you know we're not romantically involved Mm -hmm. but it's we uh, we get along great and Mm -hmm. it's so nice it's so nice to have somebody in your life in some capacity that has you know that feels you know solid and fun
1: well but i also think it's important to have relationships whatever they are because i feel like when people especially comedians when we're touring we're isolated uh, and we don't have to yeah. answer to anybody. I know. But I think exactly. that, I think it just, it creates <laughs> this monster though, you know, of yeah, I like. Know,
0: I know the monster that lives in hotel rooms and goes out and does bad things and eats bad shit.
1: Well, I mean, there's that, <laughs> but I mean, there's also just, you, you don't have the ability to negotiate anymore, you know, right. when you're isolated. Right. Because you get set in your ways. And
0: you always win. Yeah. Because exactly. you're the only one. You're negotiating with yourself. Exactly. And that, you, that rarely ends well.
1: Right. Yeah, it's it's horrible.
0: So how long have you been in L.A. now?
1: Uh, about 12 years.
0: And when you came out here, um, you, you, you wanted to do comedy, so you started in L.A. That's a rare, a rare thing, huh?
1: Yeah, that's not why I came here. Um, my friends that uh, I grew up with, um, they moved out here because they wanted to work in television. And, um,
0: in a general way?
1: Well my friend wanted to produce uh-huh um and so we all moved out here and as soon as i got here i opened up the la weekly or something and i saw all these opportunities to, to do stand up and i was like oh my god like cuz in denver there's like you
0: know two places two
1: places and that's what's the amazing comedy works did you work there uh yeah and then also Never been there. um there was like a Mexican restaurant that you could do an open mic at. And when people say it's it's more intimidating to start stand-up in Los Angeles or New yeah. York, um, I don't agree because I was more intimidated with only having limited options in Denver. And I know that at Comedy Works, you had to sign up on a waiting list that would last two or three months. Then you get on stage and you get two or three minutes and they watch you and if you do okay, you can come back. If not, you go back into that long rotation. And to me, that was like... it's a point. Yeah, I, that's why I, I never felt like I wanted to really go through with that. And then when I got to LA and I saw the options, I was like, oh, well, I could just fly under the radar. Yeah, you know? well, that's
0: the trick in LA, is that it's so hard to be under the radar. Like, you, you know... Not
1: in a laundromat. Like, I was doing no, right. open mics in laundromats. I'm saying you can fly under the radar
0: to start out, to start out, I, sure. which I
1: did for two years, I you know a year and a half, I was just doing coffee shops and you know and open mic at a laundromat. And well, that's
0: interesting because like you, you, completely started within that sort of alternative comedy, comic produced world. Mm-hmm. Like you avoided the club thing until you got good, uh-huh. and now you, I mean, you tour more than more than most people. You do regular comedy clubs. Yeah, that's great because a lot of people who come out of the alternative comedy world never leave it and they never get a sense of whether or not they can perform in front of real audiences.
1: Well, and I love the, what's called the alternative comedy world. Sure. But, you know, like, Kyle Dunnigan's not in that, and um, nope. and I adore him. And no, I'm not
0: saying I, as individuals. I just find absolutely. that if people get locked in the circuit of comic-produced shows where they're just performing for other comics, they never really get to find out whether or not they can do the job.
1: But And that's the thing is I really am not, and I've never wanted to be a comedian that only did comedy death ray or, right. or some I, that didn't appeal to me, although I love doing those shows right but i also love going into a regular club or doing a theater or a college and i think it's really a challenge to take who you are if if you have something a little different right um or you know and and try and go into those places and um see if and, it works yeah you I, have uh, a
0: style you yeah. have a you have a, a a stage persona that that's specific and it's not but it's not um specific to a certain group of people mm-hmm. which is good
1: yeah i mean i i hope it is <laughs> well you're doing I, well yeah i i'm enjoying it and it's, it's tough for you gals uh, no it's not <laughs> I can't. St- I know. I hope you're kidding. Yeah, I am. Okay, good. Because yeah, I cannot stand that. You know when people say that. Yeah. When it, when I can't. I don't even like to hear women say that. The, the oh,
0: it's it's hard. What's your reaction to it?
1: I, it just drains me. I feel like they they just started the world's most boring conversation. You Ooh. know because I feel like if you are funny. That that's that's going to be the driving force that's going to get people's attention. Like, you know, Laura Keitlinger was one of my...
0: I just had her on the live one. She was great.
1: She is brilliant. Yeah. And before I got into stand-up, that was who Dana Gould and Laura Keitlinger were, like, people that blew my mind, that yeah. I had seen on TV. And, and Laura was somebody that would go on stage in like a short skirt and go-go boots and, yeah. you know, and yeah. she was an attractive person that was yeah. doing this dark, just amazing, real comedy. Yeah. That was clever, funny, well-written, mm-hmm. just so, I, I was, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so you, when people are like, oh, well, it's hard, you know, when you're hot or, you know, people don't take you seriously. And I always go... Look at Laura Keitlinger. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That that excuse does not work. If you are funny, you're funny. So you don't
0: think there's any obstacles for women in stand-up?
1: I think if you go in with that mentality, but I mean, I I really don't know. All I know, obviously, is my experience. Well, in
0: your experience in going to clubs, when you get off stage, you don't ever get that you're pretty funny for a girl or you're, you know. I get
1: that. Absolutely, I get that. But I, I don't take that on. Right. I think I. Th- I just think you're a ridiculous
0: idiot. Right, but that, I guess that's my question: is that some of the parameters of stand-up club audiences are are dictated by ridiculous idiots, mm-hmm. and and I think that some of the reaction that women have or, or women who want to do it or what they've experienced on the road is that audiences, you know, approach female comics differently.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm, maybe. Yeah, I, it's not I, your experience. I really don't know. I I remember when I was. <laughs> I was in Seattle doing a club and, um, and, uh, the club owner's wife said there was like some women's comedy night and, and, uh, the... Where they taught comedy or nurtured female comedians or something, and that she had told like <laughs> it's like child care. I don't I don't know, but she had told like the female comedians to come down and talk to me and ask me questions. And first of all, that right off kind of scared me a little bit. Um, but um, uh, they did come up, and they were like you know young girls and pear shaped housewives and and just different women coming up and being like hi you know. Um, how, how many times a week do I get on stage and um, where can I go that's safe and you know this and that and I was just like what are you talking about like where can you go that's safe <laughs> well, well I'm a girl and I just don't want you know guys and I was like this is so the wrong place for you to be. Yeah. Like, if you are looking, to, like, go to a women's shelter or something. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, because that, like, that's the last place you want to be is in a safe environment to do stand up. Right. And and it's not something, nor is anything that you're passionate about, something that you set aside two to three nights a week
0: to do. I think that's true.
1: You are driven like a maniac to get on stage no matter what no matter what it is and you don't go i do okay i'm going to go monday, wednesday and friday yeah. and i'm going to work on my craft right i'm going to sit down every morning for 1 hour yeah. and i'm going
0: to no not a bad idea but i understand uh, right yeah.
1: I, i'm i'm just saying like if if there's a robotic way
0: No, you're, yeah, what you're saying is that, like, people that have the hunger for it have no choice.
1: Yeah, you're just. That if
0: you're sitting there going, I wonder if I should, you know, then you're already halfway done.
1: Yeah, you're, you're, no, no, no. Yeah. And so when people are like, yeah, it's hard as a girl and this and that, the most empowering thing would be walking on stage being this smoking hot woman dressed so femininely and just kicked. People in the teeth with their comedy, yeah. Which I think somebody like Natasha Leggero does. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like, yeah. it doesn't she hold it out. It doesn't hold her back that she's this attractive person.
0: Yeah, and she's a you know she's a unique person. Like totally. And, and over the years, she's really developed this voice and this character, and uh, and she intimidates me. But my my ex wife was a comic briefly. I, I mean, she's not anymore. But she came out of modeling, and and her big complaint was. You know, like they look at me and they think, you know, what does she have to complain about? And then you think, like, well, why does it have to be about complaining? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, <laughs> it' why, funny is funny, yeah. But but what? How do you explain the, the 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 proportional difference between women comedians and male comedians? Like, it just seems to me that like when I'm what put, that
1: there's fewer women doing it,
0: many fewer, much right. Fewer. But I
1: don't think it's just by nature something that women are driven to do i don't think in in by nature like by droves of women so you gotta have a
0: particular bug in your brain you i mean just
1: to be a comedian (laughs) in general but that's true uh, but um i don't i don't think it's just out of the gate like a woman is like I just want to get up there and um, you know uh, start out driving in a car from one horrible show to another and uh, live off of french fries yeah and get heckled and then hopefully this will go better <laughs> You know, hopefully down the road. They'd rather
0: do that with men.
1: <laughs> but I mean, you know, I just don't think it is in general. Yeah, um, some, a woman's choice. I, I just don't think in general. I'm yeah. not saying women can't do it. Right. And that women don't do it. I just don't think.
0: And I, also, there's, uh, there's like, like you were saying, there's not a, a large variety of role models in comedy in terms of women. I mean, like I can think of them. You know, there. I can think of a few in my head historically, Mm -hmm. but even historically, you know, outside, you have someone like Laura keitlinger you have Maria Bamford, you have Natasha. Now, you know, there were people like you know Gilda Radner, Lucille Ball. You have some other sketch people, but there's not a shitload of stand up comics. I mean, before I
1: got into before I got into stand up, and before I got really, you know, it's like you think you like something, yeah, and then you see a whole different level, and you go. Oh, wait a minute. You know, it's like before, before you're a before comedian. Before the dream starts
0: to crumble a little bit.
1: <laughs> but, you know, before you're yeah. a comedian, maybe you just think comedy is comedy right. on just, some level. They just stand up
0: there and be funny. Yeah, right.
1: stand-up is stand-up, right. stand-up is stand-up. Yeah. And then your taste gets so refined
0: Yeah. that like this guy's only
1: one specific thing is going to make you laugh for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so, you know, when I first got in, or before I got into stand-up, even before I knew who Laura Keitlinger was, I liked and I still like Paula Poundstone. Oh, yeah. But I, I I liked Rosie O'Donnell. I liked Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. And I I um I just loved stand up. Yeah. And so those women, I really did like. Yeah. But then as time went on, and then I saw HBO or, you know, yeah. th- that was the woman that stood out to me. It was Laura Keitlinger. Right. That
0: spoke more to m- your place. My I,
1: yeah. I went, oh, oh, this, like, I yeah, yeah, thought yeah, yeah, I loved yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. this is wow you yeah, know yeah that's I was amazing. so excited
0: oh that's great yeah good story
1: yeah so. so
0: and now you're you know you're sort of aligned with in terms of uh, working with uh one of the most popular female stand-ups sarah silverman mm-hmm. did you like how how did that relationship start were you a fan of hers
1: I knew who she was and right. I, I don't even know how familiar with her stand-up I was when I met her
0: your what's your character's name on the show
1: Officer Tig,
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. That's a good name. <laughs> it's a stretch, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, um, yeah, I knew who Sarah was. I knew what, I don't know how much of her I'd seen. I remember this friend of mine, Nancy, in Boulder, who's a stand-up, and yeah. she had seen Sarah on stage, and she was like, oh, Tig, I just saw somebody you have to see. You're going to love her. And uh, she's like, "It's Sarah Silverman." I was like, "Oh yeah, I know that." Is. Like, but I don't think I had met her or seen her really. The full
0: Sarah Silverman experience. Yeah, and yeah. then we
1: we oh eating it in in uh, New York at Luna Lounge years ago. Yeah, I had uh, to
0: originate that show. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, it, we were both on the same lineup, and um. And when I got off stage, she came up, and she was like, oh my god, you're so funny. And I, I was like, oh, thanks. And that was the first time I think I had really seen her too. Right. And so we were both just kind of like, wow, uh, you're really funny, you know? That's and then, great. And then I left, and yeah. then like a week later, um, I was at the improv in Hollywood, and I was walking out of the showroom, and she was like, hey, yeah, it, it's me, Sarah. I met uh, you last week, do you remember? And I was like, yeah, I remember you, Sarah Silverman. Yeah. Um I mean she of course it wasn't the household name that right. she is now but she was still like Sarah yeah. Silverman.
0: She's a pretty big person. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um and especially as a comedian, you know, mm-hmm. you've heard of Sarah Silverman. Yeah. And so um so she was like, "Hey, do you want to get lunch or something? Could can I get your number?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." And and then um I remember thinking that she was going to be some flaky Hollywood type. And like two days later she called and was like it's Sarah yeah let's go get lunch she's and then she's
0: genuinely like that yeah because I whenever I've known her since she was like you know 19 yeah and I always thought like this has got to be a put on but then yeah. after a certain point it's like oh my god she's genuinely like hey excited and yeah. pretty clear headed and happy
1: yeah and just let's let's go be friends and yeah and she's uh, she's very you know like when she's like hey let's go hike tomorrow or let's go grab lunch Tuesday next week like, yeah
0: she, she calls, up. yeah, you know. Well, that's nice.
1: It's amazing. Like she, she's a very consistent. Um,
0: Good friend, loyal yeah, friend. Yeah, you know, the people she likes, she treats well. Right. Yeah.
1: So um, I and don't know.
0: Were you part of the creative uh, building of that show?
1: No, just in only in the way that everybody's kind of to some degree themselves on the show. I remember like one of the first episodes I was doing. <laughs> Um I I was trying to act like a cop. Yeah. And and she she pulled me aside she's like Tig. Um no. Uh first and foremost, she's like the reason you're on this show is because of who you are. Yeah. And she said so number 1 you're Tig. Yeah. Number 2 you're a cop. Yeah. That's secondary. Right. And so I was like, "Oh," she goes, "So just like handle every situation like you would um just how we are when we just hang out." And I was and, like, "Oh, okay." So, I'd have to like arrest her, how I would arrest him.
0: <laughs> you were just hanging out. <laughs> and, you know, and,
1: and that, I mean, that was the biggest, uh, that it was an amazing experience to be on that show regularly. And, uh, it was still hard though, because I don't have training with acting. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I just, when I would get uptight or at one of the, and I still have learned from this, and I use it with any other uh, acting that I've gotten, is uh, I got so nervous, and my throat dried up, and I, I couldn't remember my lines, and, you know, because I'm a stand-up, and then yeah. I just show up on set, and all these cameras swoop into my face, and I have makeup on, and I have yeah. guns, and I didn't know what was happening, and... uh and uh, in at in Video Village, you have all the producers and writers and Comedy Centrals watching you on screens, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and and I couldn't remember my words. I, and Sarah kept in this one scene, kept opening the door, and she's like, "Tig!" Yeah. And then I just, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And then she's like, "Okay." And then she shut the door, and then she's like, "Tig!" <laughs> and I was like, "No." I'm sorry I don't know what I'm supposed to say I learned my words but I and I can't swallow I'm about to pass I was so uncomfortable and then she was like she called like whatever a break or I don't even know the terminology and she took me into her office and she was like what are we gonna do? Recast Tig? Yeah, you know, she's just like, "This is you. This is, the whole script is written around you." She yeah. was like, "So just loosen up," and she just grabbed my hands and started like <laughs> making me jump up and down with her. And she's like, "Wee! This is fun. We get to be on a show together. Yay!" And yeah. she was like, "Just act happy and excited, yeah. and then let it translate. Yeah, and just loosen up." She's yeah. like, "This is not an intense thing. This is like a fun thing we're doing. Right. So just." and so and then she ran my lines with me like repeatedly and so so now if I get an acting job yeah and I'm in my trailer and I'm nervous yeah my trailer will be rocking (laughs) because I'll be jumping up and down going this is fun I get to do this and 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 then I walk out of my trailer like hi yeah I'm ready to go I
0: can't (laughs) I can't even see you doing that (laughs) It makes me happy that you do.
1: I, I have. That is my acting lesson. And, and then also she made me read my lines really fast. Like she was like, that helps me. So you do it. And so we just read my lines really fast and then jumped up and down and yelled, we. Well, I, think,
0: <laughs> I think that's good practical advice for anybody, because I think so many of us get sort of paralyzed by fear and forget that we're doing what we want to do and that it should be fun. And if we allow ourselves to have fun, uh, you know, it's possible but there's some of us that just like that line to cross over yeah. to realize, like, you know, I'm doing what I want to do.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a crazy um, cage to put yourself into. Well, ha-
0: well I think stand-ups, when you're a stand-up, you, you get very insulated in, in the fact that, like, you know, once you know how to get laughs, that buzz of, like, you know, the validation buzz sort of gets tempered by, you know, just you get hung up on, like, you know, whether a joke works or whether an audience is good. So you sort of lose that initial you know like this is great yeah and it, and it becomes more about the craft and about doing the job and and i i just think that because we're we're so used to doing it ourselves and having complete control and and we know that you know this is my mic this is my stage you're the people there may be a few of you or a lot of you, but this is all my game. That, like, for me, when I get into an ensemble situation, there's a lot more pressure. Because then you start thinking, like, you know, I'm not the only one part of this. You know, what if I'm the fucking, you know, I'm the cog that fucks up? Mm-hmm. And and then you start to, your brain just starts spinning all that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, And you just want to disappear.
1: Yeah, it's, well, and it, for me, like, even even though I, there was a safety of, of working with Sarah, there yeah. was also a pressure because... Sure. I think the world of her. Yeah, and so I, uh, I want, I want to you, do well. You don't like, want to let her down. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. like she's given me such, and that that would make me feel constricted because yeah, I'd be yeah, like, I, yeah. I, I want to do, I want to be so uh, yeah, great yeah, for her. You know yeah, what yeah, I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then, and uh, so at times it was like. I could loosen up, and yeah. at times I was like, oh, "I want to be so great that I'm not doing very well right now. <laughs> I can feel it, and it just would frustrate me and the and it's you know it's the Sarah Silverman program sure. make no mistake. She yeah. created, wrote, is yeah. starring in yeah. and hired me right you know, uh-huh. and so there's like ah, I want to do I want to do right by you yeah you know
0: <laughs> and um and you did.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I did my best.
0: Yeah, you know, so That's great. Yeah, and and from that, do you find that you, on the road when you go out that that, that is the, pr- the primary place where people know you from?
1: Absolutely. Um, it, I mean, there's there's people that there's little pockets like there's comedy death ray pockets. Yeah. you know that just follow comedy death ray and a special thing nerds. and yeah, yeah, and uh, like in Utah. There was a pocket of guys that were repeating things that I had said on comedy death ray, and you know. Oh, just... really?
0: On the on the uh, radio show? Yeah, on uh-huh. the radio
1: show, and I was like, wow, you know, that that always kind of throws me off a little bit. Or it's,
0: it's kind of interesting where you realize that these people have a relationship with you. Yeah, that they, it may not be the real you, but with me because I'm so candid, they know a lot. They know a lot about me. Uh-huh. They know as much as my mother knows. Yeah, if not more. Yeah, and you know how you approach that. You, I mean, you have to be gracious, but there's that moment where like. You you know, like, yeah, you, you do know me. Yeah. And then you realize, like, I don't fucking know you at all. Yeah, at all.
1: <laughs> well, and I have to say, those guys, like, I thought that they would be, I mean, they were laughing and yeah. yelling out, like, not being obnoxious at all. Right. They, um, when the show was winding down, they made some references to Comedy Death Ray and things I'd said. And I was like, oh, hey.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever had that experience where you sit in a comedy club? Hmm. Like, uh, and, and you're just sitting in a chair, like, not in the back of the room, but like, you sit where the audience sits and you have that moment. It's like, I can't believe people come here.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I was having that in Utah. Were- I was like, I was trying to picture myself um, being like, well, let's make let's plans. Go to see a show. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> But I did that in Denver one time. I, I went and saw just a comedy show.
0: Yeah, I, I like doing it. I, now as I get more less cynical and, and more appreciative of other people's work, mm-hmm. I can sit through a whole show. Yeah. Like, who was I talking to? Uh, Maria Bamford was like, she and Jackie Cation... Are setting aside time on the weekend to go see other headliners do full sets because uh-huh. we never see each other do full sets yeah. ever. Yeah, it's like this dirty secret we have when we go out on the road and we do our real show, yeah. and then we come back here and do these twelve minute things yeah, yeah, yeah. for our friends that aren't even us, like you know, really doing it. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of endearing. Should uh, do that more often.
1: Yeah, that is that's that's, <laughs> that's wild that they're doing that. Yeah, Jackie and Marie are just
0: hilarious. Yeah, it's too much
1: yeah Maria's a genius,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. she's I, yeah when I'm around her sometimes I'm sort of like, be careful around the angel
1: yeah <laughs> exactly, yeah, <laughs> I mean I think the world of her yeah where
0: where, where do you, what do you got coming up? Where are you going? Anything you're looking forward to?
1: Uh, I do this uh monthly show at Largo.
0: oh yeah, and um I like could take in friends. yeah, that I haven't been on no problem
1: well it's it's not a stand up show.
0: I can do anything. Do, what, what, I'll, uh, what's required of me? I'll
1: bring on, like, casts of uh, TV shows. Oh. And uh, what I'll do is I come out, and I do stand-up for about 10 minutes. And um, and then after that, I bring up individually different cast members from TV shows. And I kind of it's like a hidden talent-type moment. Oh, interesting, yeah. So you get to see people... You know, read poetry or tap dance or play guitar or whatever you don't you don't normally get to see them do when they're doing their thing when they're
0: on their sitcom. Well, like who's been on? Like, what has been some surprising fun well, moments? Well,
1: well, I mean, a fun show in general that I had recently was the cast of Parks and Recreation. Yeah, and it was it was so ridiculously fun I, I my mind my head was about to explode because beyond the that's just so small the what people do or what people you know the hidden talent part because yeah. after that then you sit down I sit down with the cast yeah. and I do just uh, kind of an awkward interview with them and then I go out and I say I call it Phil Donahue the place yeah and I do a and a but it's not like a a sterile Q&A right I I riff off of their question I riff off of the cast member's answer I maybe sit on a lap of a person or mm-hmm. you know I just it it, it's, it becomes very interactive right and um, so Sarah is executive producing it and um, she we're, we're shooting it and oh, that's great yeah and it's it's just a really really fun show
0: that sounds fun
1: and um, my next one is with Party Down and, <laughs> it's a very uh, popular show yeah. So uh, that's what that I'm doing. A great project. Uh, yeah, it's fun. And uh, I'm always touring. Yeah. Um, What's I'm, your website? Tignotaro.com. There's also TigNation.com.
0: Wow. Yeah. You, you have two websites?
1: Well, it started out as TigNation because yeah. before I did stand up, I worked in music business.
0: What did you do in the music business?
1: I worked for record labels and I promoted and just. Did I don't know? Just, were you like a rock girl? Um, I I mean I love I love rock I love I love Ronnie James Dio I was bummed when he died you know I yeah. I, I love heavy metal yeah. I love uh, but I also love uh, singer songwriter I love country music I'm kind of a
0: and why'd you burn out on the music business?
1: I didn't even burn out on it. It was yeah. one of those things where I thought I was happy. I thought I liked it.
0: You were promoting and did you manage?
1: Yeah, I did kind of everything. Yeah. And um and I thought like, wow, I'm enjoying myself and I think I was for the most part, but as soon as I got into stand up I was like Oh. It was that you know, when I if first saw Laura it. Keitlinger, I yeah, was like yeah, yeah. Oh no, this is what I was looking for, you know? Yeah. I thought I liked just stand up. Yeah. But it's more specific. Yeah. You know, and so my happiness became more So you know.
0: So what is Tignation now?
1: It just directs you to the same thing. Tig Nation. Oh, either one. Yeah, it it is Tig Notaro.
0: Well, if you want to see Tig or know what's going on with Tig, there you go. Thank you so much for talking to me.
1: Thanks for um,
0: talking to me. It's awesome. Okay, that's it. That's Tig Notaro. Why did I just say Tig Notaro? Tig Notaro, pleasure talking to her. Glad she stopped by the garage. I'm glad y'all people Wow! I can't even talk. I'm glad. Wow! I'm glad all you people are listening. I hope you're enjoying the show. I uh, have a couple of things to say before I, I split here. WTFPodShop.com, which you can also link to on WTFPod.com, uh, now has available our first premium episode, which is a live episode from Comics. It's got Greg Giraldo, Todd Barry, Morgan Murphy, Janine Garofalo, John Mullaney, Tom Shalhoub. It was a big one. Uh, that's up. I, I'll reiterate my uh, upcoming dates this weekend at San Francisco. It's Greg Barron, Bring the Rock at Cobb's, and that's Cobb'sComedy.com. Uh, that's going to be a fun show. There's four shows, Friday and Saturday. And uh, please go to WTFod.com and enjoy. Get on that mailing list. That's been uh, picking up a lot. We're doing them at least once a week. We got pictures, we got links, we got things I'm thinking to uh, about uh, what's going on in my life, and also about the performers on the show, so you can get a little more. information on them thank you for listening have a great workout a great day a great hike a great drive uh, a great life and thank you for all your emails there's a lot of emails i do read them all i'm sorry if i don't get back to all of you okay all right talk to you later